you've got to be building like a brick wall, uh, a fort, and each property is a brick. And some of the bricks are going to be smaller than others, and some of these multiple sources of passive income are going to be bigger than other sources. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategy. I'm Tyrone Shump, and in this episode, we talk with John Comino, owner and buyer's agent at Bridge to Bricks, who aims to help fellow property investors make the right choices in their property selection. Keep listening to find out why Comino believes property is like an escape hatch to debt problems and how his job as a chartered accountant has helped him with property investment. Comino is a Sydney-based property investor who started his own buyer's agency to help other people on the property investment journeys to build wealth over time. And I'm the uh, uh, co-owner and co-founder, uh, along with my wife, of buyer's agent called Bridge to Bricks at bridgetobricks.com.au. Um, I mean, my, my story is, uh, you know, we're, we're property investors, we're Sydney-based, and we've built up a pretty large uh, property portfolio. Uh, of buy, you know, as a buy and hold strategy, uh, and um, you know, we we uh, we sort of got to this spot where we were we built up quite a portfolio, and we we thought we would uh, help other people on the same sort of journey that we've been on uh, to acquire a, a large sort of. We, we try to call it like an an all weather property portfolio that that's you know basic and grows and and build wealth over time. So we're trying to do that for other people through our buyer's agency. At his previous jobs, Comino realized that the downfall of many property investors came from their poor property selection strategies. His buyer's agency thus aims to resolve such problems for their clients. I'm actually a chartered accountant. So I've, I've you know, walked the well-trodden corporate path. Uh, so uh, I was the finance director of a market research company for 10 years and, uh, and did a few other things in finance and uh, the reason I, I guess that the buyer's agency option was most compelling to us was was really that um, the property selection is I think where most people make the error. I mean, getting, getting debt, uh, you know, there are lots of brokerage options out there but, but property selection I think is where people fall down and you, you find that most people buy their house you know, buy one investment property and then they're out. And it's usually uh, because of poor property selection. And um, so that was why buyers agent, being a buyer's agent was appealing to us. It really, I think that where we're quite quite good is that we can help you take the property portfolio to the next level where, where poor property selection might rule you out after only a couple of properties. In any given day, Comino works as a buyer's agent and divides his time between researching and relationship building. So I guess as a buyer's agent, my uh, my day is, you know, two parts. There's the research part and then there's the relationships part. So in the morning, I kind of wake up and I go through the emails and, and I call people who have made inquiries. Uh, I also fill up my calendar with, uh, uh, you know, r- relationship Building and uh, you know meeting uh, meeting real estate agents, meeting mortgage brokers, uh, and, and meeting you know high net worth individuals who want to invest in property. 
or people just starting out. So there's a whole relationship piece where uh, where I'm meeting people and rubbing shoulders. And I guess the other part of my day is usually in the afternoon where I'm researching property. So I'm I'm trawling through data and and uh, and realestate.com.au and and finding deals, finding uh, compelling sort of suburb stories, and trying to look through. Uh, infrastructure plans at the local council area level. He enjoys his work as a buyer's agent as he feels it's similar in many aspects to his previous job as a chartered accountant. It's a lot more fluid, you know, every day is a little bit different. Uh, so, as a chartered accountant, you know, there's the, the steward and the strategist piece and uh, the steward is making sure that the left-hand side balances to the right-hand side and, uh, uh, and making sure the debits equal the credits and so on. But as a chartered accountant, the strategy side is what people uh, most prize and is sort of what we do. And that has been really useful as a, as a buyer's agent because the buyer's agent's looking at a portfolio and saying, what, what's the next right property to buy? What's the next best step? And uh, and being you know being an accountant coming from that corporate world where you you have to do sort of five year plans, uh, it, it's and for property investors they also need a five year plan. So uh, it's actually quite uh, quite compatible. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know the corporate world and, and the buyer's agency world. Comrade spent most of his childhood in Eastwood, even landing his first job as a paperboy at the age of twelve around the area. So I grew up uh, in, in Eastwood, which is sort of the northwest of uh, Sydney. And, um, you know, I, I was, you know, the middle child of three uh, three kids. I've got two sisters, an older and a younger sister, and we grew up in, in, in Eastwood. I went to Epping Boys High School and um, I had my first job at the age of 12 uh, as a paper boy around the Curzon Hall area, if you're some of your Sydney listeners know that yes, that spot I know that very well <laughs> I yeah. grew up around the area too <laughs> yeah I had the whistle and the, and the and the trolley and um, and that was my first job went to Macquarie University and and uh, and I worked flipping burgers at Macquarie Center and uh, and packing shelves at the reject shop at Macquarie Center as well so you know oh, uh, yeah yeah always working and uh, and uh, and certainly around that area too that was my stomping ground growing up Following in his father's footsteps, Commodore became a chartered accountant straight after university and simultaneously worked and travelled in the UK. His start into property investment, however, was when he first bought his property to impress a girl. Well, I should also say my, my old man, my dad was a chartered accountant as well. He had a, a practice in the city and I remember asking him, I said, you know, what, what do all of your successful clients have in common? And he would say, they're all real estate investors. Uh, and, and I always thought that was fascinating and it stayed with me because my family weren't property investors. You know, we they had the house and, and so on, but they weren't, they didn't have a property story. Um, so when I, when I finished uh, uni, I did my chartered exams and then uh, shortly after that, I went to the UK like every other Australian uh, in their mid-twenties. <laughs> mm, very uh, common. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and, and, and there I, I really... Uh, charged a very corporate path uh, path I was doing IFRS accounting and all those sorts of things but it was great I was doing lots of travel and when it was when I was overseas living in London I bought my first property in Sydney um, and the reason for that was <laughs> I was uh, I was dating a girl who's now my wife uh, and <laughs> yes, she, as yeah it usually happens. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. Now she's the she's the uh, the brains and the looks in this little outfit, I should say. But uh, but when I was overseas, um, see my, my then girlfriend had uh, a little investment property in Artarmon, and I remember thinking as this got more and more serious, uh, we'd been together for a couple of years. I, I remember thinking, man, if I if I want to put a ring on it, I'm going to need to uh, bring something to the table. So. I tortured my older sister back home with uh, open for inspections on a Saturday, where <laughs> where I'd find these properties and uh, and I'd ask her to go and have a look at it. Uh, there weren't too many. I remember I really zeroed in on FireDoc at the time. FireDoc, for some reason, back in sort of I think it was two thousand and six or two thousand and seven, just seemed just really undervalued. And I was just doing it from a keyboard in in London. And um, so so through my sister, as I guess she was acting as my buyer's agent, she where I purchased my first property, which was a townhouse in Five Dot. However, the purchase cut deeply into his travel expenses and caused many complications as Comno was abroad. I was in London for four years and, and I was doing corporate jobs the whole time. And I guess I was the most interesting job. I was with Sotheby's, the art auctioneers, uh, heading up their European reporting. And, uh, you know, it's a load of travel and that was great. But I guess after I bought the Five Dot property, the travel sort of came to an end. Uh, I remember it really wiped me out. Uh, I had to take... Uh, lenders mortgage insurance house because uh, my deposit wasn't big enough and I was a non-resident so it was quite a complicated deal but but I got there and uh, it was it was completely worth it obviously it sort of set us up set us up for future purchases After returning to Sydney to get married and start a family Kamala began to purchase more properties as he felt they would negate the risk of large expenses children would bring we came back to get married, really. I mean, we could have stayed because it was it was fun, but uh, we came back to get married, and we got married in two thousand and eight. And we were sort of we had a we had a couple of properties at that stage, but we owned them separately. So there were there was there were a couple at that stage, uh, and then we um, we had we started having kids pretty quickly, I guess. But every time we'd have a kid, we would think, "Geez, that that that's risky. Uh, we're going to need to buy a property to offset the risk of having a kid." Uh, so we. We would um, we would uh, buy a property per child, not for the children, but just <laughs> just to offset the risk. And I, I remember um, I remember an interview uh, with Robert Kiyosaki and Kim Kiyosaki, uh, the rich dad poor dad guys. Uh, they're a husband and wife team, and and I remember her saying that every time Robert wanted to spend money uh, he, and and create a liability, he'd also have to put something in the asset column. And uh, the example she gave was, you know, Robert wanted to buy a Porsche. So I, I, I said yes to the Porsche, but I made him go and buy an investment property. Uh, that always stuck with me. So every time we did something a bit silly or a bit risky uh, or something a bit great, like having, having kids, but we would, we, would, <laughs> we, would, we would go out and buy an investment property just to hedge the decision. And that became a really um, foundational kind of way we would look at risk. We, we kind of... We, we look at risk differently to other people, where we see uh, property as the uh, as the moat, as the protection. And I can go into, I guess, why that how that view formed. But yeah, so that that was our initial st- starting place. He also applied this perspective to the time when he started his own business prior to the buyer's agency. But uh, oh, we, you know, there was another story where we started a we started a, a cleaning business along that journey and. Uh, you know, starting a business is risky. So we said, well, all right, we can we'll start the business, but we need to buy a property uh, to, to offset the risk. And so we did that as well. Uh, and that was our that was our gig um, for, for quite a few years there. 
Coming up after the break, we'll delve deep into John Commoner's property journey where he shares more of his unique perspective of property investment as a safety net. The reason, because they'd own businesses and, and, and so on, but the property was the escape hatch. It was the safety mechanism. His worst investment moments. The worst investment invest, investing moment were investments we didn't make. His aha moment during his property investment journey. The aha moment was that it's too risky not to be invested in property and that it's not enough just to have one. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Invest Story. Are you looking at buying property? Unsure which suburb to choose? Let me share with you an amazing tool. It's called Location Score and it's the simplest way to decide where to buy profitable property all over Australia. Created by property experts Ben Kingsley, Bryce Holloway and Jeremy Shepard. You can check it out at propertyinvestory.com forward slash location score. Also, when you buy through my affiliate link, I'll give you one month access to the Property Investory Club where you can learn from the experts and be part of a private property investing community valued at $99. Visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash location score to claim your special offer. After starting his family, Komono jumped back into the corporate world and treated property investment as a simple side hustle to create passive income. Property was really just a side hustle. It was just a way to get passive income and, and to, to de-risk whatever we were doing at the time. <clears throat> uh, so I, I was the finance director of a small sort of market research agency and I actually worked with uh, Michael Shah who has gone on to create a, a career in, in property as well. But we used to meet at the water cooler uh, like every second day in the kitchen uh, just sort of talking about, <laughs> about real estate. And he had a big impact on me as well because he was someone who was – we were doing it in a really sort of passive way, but he was he was right at the vanguard. You know, He was really um, making a good go of it in, in a more serious way than, than we were. So he was also in Brisbane and we were in Sydney, so we, we were comparing notes and um, – that was a really influential time, actually. So, uh, yeah, I was I was completely uh, corporate at the time, uh, but buying on the side. Commoner did not take property investment seriously until 2013, when he and his wife realised how much equity they had built from their successful property portfolio. So we were we were all in, um, and then in about 2013, 13 or 14, that's when we decided, you know, to write down the plan. So we would, we would write down the plan and the number of properties we wanted to, to have by X age. And uh, uh, that's when we got, yeah, 2013, 2014 is when we got really serious. And part of the reason for that was um, that we were just sort of buying properties as a, as a hobby. We, we enjoyed it, but, uh, and we could see the benefits it was having. But but it was only in about at about that time when we did a refinance and we'd never refinanced before. We just bought properties. And the refinance uh, kind of, if you can imagine, you know, uh, we, we built up all this equity and, and this, this amount of money sort of pops into our account after refinance. And this was this wow moment where we think um, we can monetize this. This is not just about, you know, some bricks, or, you know, in some suburb in Sydney. It's about, it's about cash flow now. So we can monetize the equity. And I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't really understand that until around 2013-14. And at that time, with that with that refinance, we went on a bit of a buying spree. And that's when we started to get serious. And that's when we started to get, to get strategic as well. 
So up until then, we were they were these purchases were just transactions. You know, we'd buy a property in Artarman or something like that. But then after that period of time, then we started doing suburb research and and, and looking at investment corridors of <clears throat> you know where the where the demographics were where. where populations were growing and where new train lines were going in. And that's when we became a bit more strategic. But it was still a still side hustle at that stage. His unique perspective on property stemmed from his wife's influence as well as his parents' financial debts back when they owned their own business. So, so uh, my wife, Chris, uh, was influenced by her parents who were sort of Greek immigrants and they would always talk about property, um, as would my parents. But but um, I guess one of the, the, the big moments was also when uh, my dad, the chartered accountant, ran a business, and uh, and when his business started to unravel, they started to need to liquidate assets, and they hadn't accumulated enough property to really have a, a buffer. So, uh, the, the property was this kind of uh, safety, you know, escape hatch, uh, and my parents didn't have that properly in place. Now, I remember thinking, if only they owned more property, that they would they'd be able to get through this. And the reason, because they'd owned businesses and, and, and so on, but the property was the escape hatch. It was the safety mechanism. And this sort of feeds into this idea of, you know, de-risking ourselves with property, not from property. And uh, that, that was why, that's why we decided to, to go into property. And I guess the other reason is, you know, Michael Shah was uh, really influential as well. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was doing it in a far more aggressive way than we were. And and he made us realise that the property could be its own path, not just this uh, way to park money. For Komono, his worst investment moments have been the properties that he was not able to purchase due to missed opportunities. I mean, properties are pretty forgiving asset class, particularly in in, in Sydney. We um, the worst. The worst investment invest, investing moment were investments we didn't make. So around 2012, we were sort of hunting, but we were sort of, uh, you know, Sunday drivers in terms of property investors back then. We were buying, but we weren't buying in any uh, sort of strategic way. And I remember a lot of good properties getting away from us then, uh, properties that would have done better than the ones that we bought. Uh, so my, my property blunders are, I guess, the ones that we didn't buy. Commodo sees property investment as a safety net for all investors as it means they can make risky decisions, such as starting their own businesses. So figuring out that uh, it's a game of debt. The refinance uh, taught us that, firstly, you don't need to sell the property. Uh, You can just use it um, like a bank, as long as you're disciplined about it. But uh, that it's really a game of debt. It's not a game of bricks. So that was the first one. But I guess my dad's situation as well was uh, that the aha moment was, that it's too risky not to be invested in property and that it's not enough just to have one. You've got to be building like a brick wall, a fort, and each property is a brick and some of the bricks are going to be smaller than others and some of these um, multiple sources of passive income are going to be bigger than other sources, but but you need to start building up a fortress. Uh, and our fortress we decided to use was, was property, but um, I, I, think, I think the aha moment was recognising uh, the risk involved in, in property or, or that it was too risky not to be in property. Uh, and my, my parents would have coasted through their issues had they been uh, more invested. And I think that's one of the reasons we've over-invested in property because we're trying to really build up our buffers nice and, nice and young. 
For him, property has always been the best safety net due to the leverage they can provide. Well, well, the reason property is the way to go is because you're essentially, what you're using is leverage and inflation and a defensive asset. I remember hearing a kind of in a podcast once in some American stockbroker saying, you know, your house isn't going up in value, your money is losing value. And I, I remember that having a big impact on me as well. And one of the reasons we sort of got so over-invested in property is that I realised that they were, there was always going to be some form of currency debasement. So inflation is never going to end. Um, so how do you play an inflation game? Well, you, you leverage into real estate. I mean, there are other things you can leverage into, but uh, real estate's uh, a really good uh, a really good inflation hedge. And then if you're using leverage, it becomes quite powerful. Now, if you compare that to a job or a, or a business, it, there isn't that natural hedge. Uh, and that natural sort of inflationary uh, cycle that works in your to your advantage. And so, property in my in my estimation beats those other options um, uh, because of the leverage and the inflation. Now, shares are another option, but, uh, but but shares don't have leverage. So even if it outperforms property in terms of nominal percentages, without the leverage, it's not very exciting. So that's why property became the, the main game in town for us. It's not the only way to do it, though. So, inspired by John Comino's story, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode on Property Investory Podcast, where we'll talk about Comino about his key goal behind investing in property. We are looking for capital growth. I mean, all properties become yielding properties eventually. So, we're, we're, we're patient and we're investing for yield but it's not a buying criteria. What he hopes to achieve for clients with his own buyer's agency? You know, Bridge to Bricks is, a, you know, I think is a, is a really good sort of bread and butter type buyer's agency. Um, it can help replicate the sort of thing that we've done. More on his property investment strategy. We simply buy and hold and we've got a bunch of different, we've got houses, we've got townhouses, but, but there's probably a, a little bit of a bias to units. Um, in terms of the the strategy. I mean, we've got sort of three criteria for the for, for asset selection. And that's next time in a future episode on Property Investory. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening.